Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium's sports betting podcast. We're back for another week of betting. Uh, ben Wittenstein, the professor, Nate Jacobson. We got college football bets. We got NFL bets. And Nate, college basketball has finally started I don't think we're going to have any bets this week for college basketball, but down the road in the upcoming weeks, I mean, we're going to have to throw in a college basketball bet, one or two at least. Potentially. I, I'm okay with waiting for two months until the college football season comes to the close, or at least the semifinals of the college football playoffs, just because there's so much going on. And we were just talking in the office earlier how the World Cup is starting in less than two weeks. So there's going to be so much to bet on that kind of want to just focus on football. But if there is some sort of must-have play, I guess we could share it on the show. Yeah, it's going to be important. And going over, uh, again, our best bets, it was a solid weekend for best bets. We went 3-1-1. One, and one. So positive records on each side, no losing records. Show records going for 70% winning percentage right now, Nate, which is pretty good. We're looking good. 14 wins each. You got a 77% win percentage. I'm at 64 about. Yeah, you uh, you, you picked up the show this week, the 2-0 and with the Baylor Bears and the yep. Chicago Bears team total Love over. The Bears theme weekend. And I had a very pedestrian 1-1-1 one, one, and one that the college bet was just a bad bet, the, yeah. the James Madison play. And then I'll take 1-0-1 oh, in the NFL because both those games are really down to the wire with the Falcons uh, – sorry, the Chargers minus three against the Falcons and then the Commanders plus three and a half against the Vikings. And – Depending on when you got that number, you either won, push, or lost. So, um, I guess I you got a took a bad number on the Chargers because I got minus two and a half on game day. Yeah, uh, I'm, I was kind of surprised cash. that moved so much, to be honest. Yeah, the Chargers injury report. The reason I gave out the Chargers on this Thursday, Tuesday show last week was the Chargers. They were off the bye. I thought they were gonna have a good injury report. Yeah, that was not the case. So money came in on the Falcons late to drive that down to two and a half. They end up winning by three. The Los Angeles Chargers did, and then the Commanders game. I think I gave out on. I I forgot when I gave it out. If it was Thursday or Tuesday, but they ended up covering the plus three and a half, but pushing on the plus three. So depending on when you got it, you either won or pushed if you took the Commanders. So. A fun week, though, of the NFL and college football from an entertainment standpoint, and looking forward to uh, getting into these these uh, games this week because I already have a few bets. You've already got bets on a Tuesday. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, got to go early in the week sometimes. Apparently, sometimes. These lines have been moving a lot. So let's look at opening bell for the college football game, some of these early line movements in college football. You got Louisville, who has moved from a 13.5-point underdog to a 7-point underdog, going to Clemson this weekend. Uh, I think a lot of people were really scared off by the Tigers after their just embarrassment of a showing against Notre Dame on the road. Clemson's back at home. They're playing a Louisville team that, honestly, Nate, they've looked improved over the past couple of weeks. They don't look like the pushover they look like in the first couple weeks of the season. So it makes sense why this line's now been bet down from almost two touchdowns to now a touchdown. 
Yeah, Louisville's a far cry from the team that lost to Boston College about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, so, so the reason why this line moved, and, and the 13-and-a-half was out before the week 10 games were played, so before Clemson lost to Notre Dame, and this is really the driver, and it's not so much the on-field handicap, it's kind of the motivation. And right. Clemson basically having their playoff dreams crushed, maybe internally they still think they can get there, and they still are playing for an ACC title. But at Clemson, their standards is to make the playoff and compete for national titles. So right. you just have to wonder kind of how Clemson is going to react off that loss to, to Notre Dame, a humbling loss for them. And knowing that their season-long goals are probably over, how they're going to play in this game. And, and Louisville with a chance to you know kind of ride that momentum. And they have a coach in Scott Satterfield who's on the hot seat. So he would love to win this game to make sure that he's still the coach for Louisville going forward. And I'll tell you, as someone who bet Clemson, I was really high on them beating Notre Dame on the road. Notre Dame, we talked about it last week. The Irish are a bad team at home. They were a bad team at home. And for whatever reason, DJU just looked terrible. You know, you never want to see a team make a quarterback switch in the middle of the game and then switch all the way back again. It's just not a good look for Clemson. I'm I'm very worried about where this Tigers team is going. I mean, that game, I, I didn't, I had a couple of worries about how their offense was playing, and you know the signs were there a little bit with the with them switching quarterbacks every once in a while. That's never a sign of a stable team, a stable offense. But man, the cracks really opened up for that Clemson offense. Definitely, their offense certainly got exposed, and yeah, I'd be worried about them going forward and also going forward in the future. Uh, just looking at some of the uh, the assistant coaches who've left Clemson have not had success yeah. at their places. <laughs> and the Brent Venables. Well, I was seeing their offensive coaches like Tony Elliott, Chad yeah, right. Morris, and just this week Jeff Scott, who is at USF, former Clemson offensive coordinator, he just yeah. got fired. So Kind of wild. Maybe it's more the players and the scheme, and they don't really have the players right now like they had in no. the past when they had guys receivers like Justin Ross, T. Higgins, yep. Hunter Renfro. Amari Rogers. They don't have those outside guys like they used to have. So let's look at another game that had some line movement, Nate, because uh, this, this is, is a, this is a really interesting, interesting one for me. Alabama goes down again, not looking great. So that line against Ole Miss this weekend, people are putting some money on the Rebels. 14 and a half down to 11 and a half for Ole Miss. Uh, is this uh, a Lane Kiffin uh, win here for Ole Miss coming into this weekend? Can you pull off that huge upset? Because right now, you know, if you're thinking about Alabama, you know how good they are after a loss. But this season is just it's different. I don't know if this team has it in them after another tough loss to come back out. I think they may just quit. Honestly, and I, you really don't say that about Nick Saban teams a lot where they're just done, they're just quitting, but... Man, it does not look good for the Crimson Tide. Well, are you saying they quit like against the last few weeks, or if they didn't at this point, I think it's safe to say they might have. Yeah. So this is so we always talk about Alabama off the loss, how they're attractive, and and before they lost to LSU, the line for this game was Ole Miss plus fourteen and a half. So now it's down a little bit, and actually got bet up a tad towards Alabama because I think it reopened ten and a half. So kind of in that range where you'd expect, especially because Alabama's off that loss. But this is a different type of loss. This is a loss that probably ends their chances at a college football playoff yeah. berth. And we've never really seen this with Alabama this early in the yeah, season, as crazy really as have. that sounds. It's either they kind of have their dreams crushed 
when they lost an Iron Bowl back when Gus Malzahn was there, or they just make the playoffs. So this is a very different situation. I would tread really lightly. I still don't think Alabama's going to quit because a lot of those players are hoping to make it to the next level. They want to get drafted, so every play is on tape. So I don't think they're going to quit. But I do just wonder how good Alabama is. They lose to Tennessee, and then Tennessee goes out and loses to uh, Georgia, sorry, on Saturday. But then they have those close losses to or wins against Texas A&M. That doesn't look really good with the state of Texas A&M. They almost lost to Texas in week two after yeah. Quinn Ewers got hurt. So I just wonder if this Alabama team, we just kind of miss – I don't know if we like misjudge them because there's so much talent there if you just look at recruiting stars. But in terms of just like preparation and coaches and mistakes they make, those are all there for this team. So I just wonder how good and buttoned up this team is. It's not a traditional Nick Saban team. No. And now you're catching an Ole Miss team off a of bye who just played – they played nine straight games before the bye – it was really a must, kind of a perfect you know week for the bye for Lane Kiffin's team. It's a huge chance for Lane Kiffin, who's going to be in the talks for the Auburn coaching job and maybe some other openings, yeah. to have a statement win, which will either you know make him more attractive for those jobs or just get him a big contract extension and pay raise at Ole Miss. So yeah, right. uh, he'll be ready to go for this game. He knows Alabama yeah. might be a little bit down. Um, I'm, I'm really actually interested in watching this game just to see how it plays out, even though – kind of the luster of it is lost because Alabama's playoff hopes are almost slim slim to none, really. I want to talk this game out. We have one talk it out, and we try to talk out at least one game for college or NFL each week because you put Washington and they're playing Oregon this week. That line opened up in Your favor. Ducks. My Ducks. I really like Oregon. I bet their team total team win total over. Looking good. And I like them this week. And my question to you is, do you, you like Washington this week? Because right now they're a 13-and-a-half point underdog going on the road to Oregon where the Ducks have been spectacular this season. Yeah, I just think this line's a little bit inflated based on kind of the position Oregon is and the, yeah. the rankings and just kind of what's at stake for them where if they do win out, win their next four games, including the Pac-12 title, that they have a really good shot at the playoff, especially what we saw this past week. But okay. a few weeks ago, Oregon was only a touchdown favorite against UCLA. And this is a really early in the season, at least in early October, but Washington was a road favorite at UCLA. So unless we're really upgrading Oregon a lot or downgrading Washington a lot, which is fair, this sure. line I think is just really inflated. Oregon doesn't necessarily have to cover this line to you know impress the committee and the rankings and their chances of making it. Right. So I think just covering a big number with that extra playoff pressure that's facing the Ducks, a new coaching staff, first-year coach, Bo Nix, maybe not like he reverts to some old Bo Nix tricks that we've seen in the past. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and thing. his line blocks him well, though. Sure, is the thing. But to cover fourteen again, or you know, cover almost two touchdowns against a Washington team that feels like kind of forgotten after being a you know getting out to a hot start. But they do have the passing game, I think, to keep it within the number. Where if they do get down, they have the ability to play catch up. But I actually think Washington can keep this game close throughout and definitely cover this number. And we've seen Pac-12 teams in the past when you know there's a path for them to make the playoff, there they is. faltered, and maybe it starts this week with, with Oregon's, Oregon's task. Because right, the, the next three weeks they play Washington, Washington yeah. Utah, yeah. Oregon State. That's, That's actually a pretty, pretty tough gauntlet which is why I think if they run the table, they'll have a great shot at making the playoff because they are playing really good teams the next few weeks. So Washington was my talk it out for the week. 
definitely not good about it yet, but it's just something I'm keeping an eye on. I just think it's a little bit of inflation on Oregon at this price point. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. I'm thinking about betting Oregon, and this could be a fun bet to make. Once we get to Thursday, when maybe we can do some dueling bets here, because I really do think that Oregon is the type of team whose offense at this point is going to be able to outgun Washington's offense. And I watched Michael Penix last week, and I love Michael Penix as a player. I love Kalen DeBoer. I mean, this this Washington offense is legit. But I'm I am worried about them being able to keep up with Oregon. I've seen them make one too many mistakes in their past couple games, either a bad pass by Michael Penix or he's trying to force a ball or the offense just simply isn't running for a couple of series. I'm a little worried that's going to happen on the road in a tough environment against an Oregon team that looks like they're playing their best football all season long. I'm a little worried about that. So I'm a little worried Washington will be able to keep up with the number. It'll be interesting to see. If Oregon gets to 14 or 14 and a half, Nate, I, I definitely am going to be off the ducks. But as long as I can get them at 13 I and do. a half. I hope they do. <laughs> you're praying that, that Oregon gets somebody. Honestly, that not, line has moved up now from yeah. 12 and a half. So I'm a little surprised. Maybe I'm missing not. something. Washington's injuries. Obviously, Washington has not played well outside of Seattle. They've yeah. had that three true road games. They lose at UCLA. They lose at Arizona State when they were right. going through a lot of term oil and then they ended up winning at cal in a game where i was on cal uh but cal like so cal is playing oregon it's a different story because cal just doesn't have the offense to keep up with oregon and we saw that a few weeks ago um when oregon was laying 17 and a half in berkeley and they ended up covering they win by 18 but i think washington's opposite that they do have at least an offense with a pulse that could you know catch up if they do get out down early just because oregon's played so impressively Let's look at some NFL games because there has been a good amount of line movement in some of these uh, NFL games, and it's a really interesting team. Two really interesting teams are playing each other in the Raiders and the Colts, and now the Colts' new interim head coach uh, was really packing it on the Raiders on Twitter in the last week, saying the Raiders are simply just a really bad team, which he's not wrong. The Raiders are a tremendously bad team, but the Raiders have now gone – from minus three and a half as the favorite over the Colts to minus six and a half over a touchdown at that crucial six and a half point mark. I don't know if I can believe in the Raiders this much, Nate. I really don't. And I don't know if having Jeff Saturday for the Colts is going to help them be better or be worse. I think that team and the personnel on that team are just terrible. They're just bad that we're not going to be able to see a really good Colts team. But six and a half for a Raiders team that I would not put a single cent on? That is too high of a line. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair with the Raiders, and I just want to kind of explain the line move, and I think most of it is the Colts looking so poor Yeah, in New England uh, the other day where basically they got game back Frank Reich fired. Colts only have two yards per play of offense, and not really surprised putting Sam Ellinger up against a Bill Belichick defense. No, not surprised. And we talk about interim coaches a lot and how we like to back them after you know a first coach the first game after a coach gets fired but I think this is a little different with Frank Reich yeah right who they actually fired the offensive coordinator a week before Reich then you know he was already kind of their play caller and offensive designer so now with Jeff Saturday who knows what it's going to be I did see some reports before we recorded the show about who's going to call plays for the Colts or I think it's actually confirmed by the team and it's a it's like a third year old assistant wide receiver coach great uh, maybe it's Always someone good. different his last name's Parks I know that but it just what's <laughs> the what good. is the Colts offense going to look like who's gonna even play quarterback for the Colts is it still gonna be Sam Ellinger right. do they give Nick Foles a shot and like what's Jeff Saturday I mean, what's he, he gonna do like there's just so much uncertainty in this is. game 
especially when you add on the other side, it's a Josh McDaniels Raiders team who were in a home run spot against the Jaguars. They get out to a 17-0 lead, and they blow another big lead, their third uh, game this year where they blow a, a margin of 17 points or more. Yep. So the Raiders at 2-6, and six, I don't know what you're going to get from them, and I certainly don't want to lay points with a team like Las Vegas. So weird game, fascinating line move. Actually might be interesting to watch. But in terms of betting, I'd kind of stay away. Yeah, 100%. I am not touching this line. If anything, I'm going to be leaning towards the Colts. I am not touching the Raiders. They have burned me too many times. (laughs) They're just bad. They're a bad team that's probably going to fire their coach. I don't understand how this line has moved this much. Cowboys-Packers, another one of these teams is in disarray. You got Cowboys at minus three. That line has now moved to Cowboys minus five, going to Green Bay, playing at Lambeau. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Uh, the Packers, Nate, look like they are down in the dumps. This looks like the end of Aaron Rodgers. The sky is falling in Green Bay. He's having fights with Coach uh, Matt LaFleur. It's just not looking good. And now people are playing the Cowboys, and it makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, it makes sense why the Cowboys got bet out right when this reopened. It was minus three and then minus four, four and a half. Yep. We've hit five. We've kind of stayed at five. I think a lot has to do with the Packers injury situation where – I believe what the trainer said in Detroit, they ran out of walking boots for players. There was <laughs> oh, numerous God. amount of Packers players getting hurt. That's not Aaron good. Jones was one of the players, the star running back for the Packers, who yep. is kind of a must. I think he's going to play, it sounds like. But okay. Romeo Dobbs is out, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, a cornerback. So really brutal result for the Packers in, in Detroit, scoring nine points despite getting inside the Lions' 22-yard line five times, and that only resulted in three points. So It's fun stuff. If the Packers do have at least a decent injury report, I think there's a chance where they could at least have some positive regression back at home after three straight road games. And they're facing a Cowboys team that I think might be a tad overvalued because Dak Prescott's had two games re-returned. Cowboys okay. win and cover both games. They were just off a bye. But those were two soft matchups for Dak to return to yeah. against the Lions and Bears. Not saying the Packers' defense is good, but an outdoor game where weather is expected to be cold on Sunday in Green Bay and just kind of check the weather always when you're betting football this time of year. I think this sets up well for a, a true buy-low spot on the Green Bay Packers. I haven't bet this game yet. I'd be fine betting plus five, but I do want to get a little bit more information about the Packers' injury situation before getting involved, but I'm definitely looking at the Packers this week, and I would be surprised if this bet isn't or isn't included as a best bet on the show later this week. So we got 49ers and Chargers as well, a battle for California for Sunday night football. 49ers have been getting a lot of money, minus three and a half to minus seven, and you were on the Chargers last week. Mm. At minus three, they didn't cover. They pushed at minus two and a half. They they covered on that one. And I don't I really am at a spot, Nate, where I, I don't know if I could trust the Chargers. And and this has kind of slowly been building for me all of this season and even into last season at the end of the year. On paper, and even with the injuries, but on paper, this Chargers team should be better. This Chargers team really should be covering most of the numbers that they are given. And for whatever reason offensively they struggle a lot defensively 
ooh, can have a lot of holes. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I understand why this money movement has been on the 49ers' side, especially now with Christian McCaffrey. But I just don't know if I can really trust the Chargers now at plus seven. You're getting them as a touchdown, getting points. Maybe maybe it's time to finally put money and trust the Chargers as a, as a heavy underdog, but they have been really tough to back all season long for me. Yeah, you don't see often a team on a bye and a, a team goes out and wins, but then there's money against that team who won yep. pretty drastically through key numbers all the way up to seven, the, the, one of the most important numbers in the NFL. So I think this all kind of stems towards the Chargers injury report. When this local headline came out, mm-hmm. I think there was anticipation that the Chargers would be getting Keenan Allen back for the Falcons game. Yep. He re-aggered the injury over the He's bye or had a setback. Healthy. And yeah, I, I don't think you can count on him, especially with Mike Williams out. So the the Chargers having the wide receiver issues yep. and also a banged-up offensive line going against a 49ers pass rush who off the bye should be healthier. You're giving Kyle Shanahan with time to prepare against a run defense that gives up a lot of yards on the ground. Yep. In San Francisco, we know about how good their running game is with any running back, and now they have Christian McCaffrey in the fold who has a full two weeks to learn the playbook after they really showed him off against the Rams in that big divisional matchup. So everything situationally points to the 49ers. Obviously now the question is how about the number? At seven, it's I could tough. never. I don't think I can. I can. I couldn't bet the 49ers at seven. It's it's okay. gone a little bit too far. I would agree, especially the Chargers do play kind of a a high variance game at times where Brandon Staley likes to go for it. So if they can convert some of those fourth downs conversions, you would think as long as they don't make stupid passes behind the line of scrimmage on third and fourth downs, which they have done more often than I think they should, and it, no, it doesn't ever works, doesn't convert, and I don't think they're going to be able to convert against the 49ers defense if they do that. Yeah, I mean, that's all fair, but at the price, I, I would stay away from at least betting the 49ers straight. If you want to bet the 49ers and teaser just to win, I, I mean, 49ers are a team that I'm trying to buy on as much as possible and look yeah. to ways to bet them, but I wouldn't be laying seven with the 49ers, but I, I would have a little bit of trouble backing the Chargers in this specific spot because the 49ers off the buy with a huge – Pretty much on both sides of the ball, huge huge um, advantages. Where the way to attack the 49ers is through their secondary and the Chargers wide receiver situation and just kind of their conservative offensive play calling I don't think is going to be able to exploit that weakness where the 49ers defensively and offensively should have success in this game. So you wanted to talk it out with the Browns. They go to Miami playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Some places have them at four over the Browns. But uh, interesting spot here for Cleveland. Yeah, I actually bet the Browns plus four before the show or this morning. Let's not make it a best bet yet. I'll, I'll wait till the end of the week when more okay. people are kind of ready to go. And I'll actually have more of an explanation of why I like the Browns in this spot then, but just kind of some things I had written down that I wrote down this morning. Browns off a bye, should be getting healthier. I, I do respect Kevin Stefanski as a coach, as a game planner. Because of that, I think the Browns should be able to move the ball mm-hmm. against a Dolphins defense, especially stopping the run that is is weak. The the Dolphins' strength is their is their outside cornerback. So yeah. I really do think the Browns are going to have success moving the ball in this game. We also had the Jacoby Brissett, who was kind of. Uh, shoot away from the organiz- by the organization, yep. so he'll be motivated true. against a team he started w- for last year. 
So I, I really like the setup here for the Browns, and if they can get a little bit healthier on defense, that's obviously going to be a must when you have to face Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yep. But because Miami doesn't have a home a strong home field advantage, I'm guessing there'd be a lot of Browns fans at this game in Miami. I think anything three and a half or better is worth a bet on Cleveland. So I took the plus four this morning, and we'll make that a best bet probably later in the week. Situations of the week, we have four games, four teams who are in a hangover situation right now, Nate. And that one of those teams is LSU, um, which makes sense. And I don't know if I can bet LSU for this week, but they're definitely in a, in a bit of a uh, hangover situation after their win. Yeah, so Sunday night I bet Arkansas plus three and a half. We'll wait to make that for best bet purposes Thursday to see where that line is. Yep. But if you do want to take Arkansas plus three, I would highly encourage that. It's just a perfect situation when you're looking for a hangover game. You have LSU off that programming-defining win, overtime victory against Alabama. They're actually in control of their own fate to win the SC West. If they win out, they're going to win it because they have the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. And then on the other side, Arkansas loses an embarrassing game to Liberty. So I think that creates line value where you have – LSU trending up, Arkansas trending back. But I still think Arkansas is a decent team. They just played a really brutal schedule this year, and I think they're going to be fully focused on this game, wanting to pull off an upset against an LSU team that might be vulnerable. 11 a.m. start in uh, was it Fayetteville. I was going to say Little Rock, Fayetteville, yeah, Arkansas. Fayetteville. So I could see a little bit, little bit of a flat spot for LSU off the storm of the field win against Alabama the other night. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good spot for him, especially since – Arkansas, I don't think, could have been playing any worse for the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, a bounce-back situation for Arkansas makes sense. Notre Dame, though, is another hangover game, another hangover team, obviously coming off that win against Clemson at home. They have to go and play Navy. Yep, and I I put a small bet on Navy plus 17. You can track my plays or follow my plays at the Action Network where I track them, but I put half a unit on Navy plus 17. Might bet a little bit more later in the week. Just kind of want to see where this line goes. Sure. But, yeah, fading Notre Dame off the storm of the field win against Clemson. But you're kind of looking closer at the box score. Notre Dame gets the block punt for a touchdown. They get a pick six late to kind of make the scoreboard look like it was way more dominating. They did dominate the game, but Notre Dame only had 85 pass yards against Clemson. Jeez. And now they're facing it. So they like running the ball. That's where they have success. But now they're facing a triple option team, mm-hmm. which might be a little hard to run on because Navy always you know, is preparing for the run. Yep. And also uh, Notre Dame's defense – is going to kind of see a new wrinkle facing a triple option team. And we've seen Notre Dame fail in these big favorite spots this season. Home against Marshall, big favorite, almost three touchdowns, lose outright. They didn't cover against a California team as over a touchdown favorite. Against Stanford, who is absolutely horrible, they lose straight up as 17-point favorites. And then the week after is – I think it was like a 24-point spread or something. They didn't cover against UNLV. So when Marcus Freeman's had his teams in these kind of close spread uh, games that, you know, just basically win the game and you cover the spread, he's done well. But when you expect Notre Dame to win by margin, especially if they're quarterback and wide receiver situation, it's not a team I want to be laying points with. So kind of like Navy here, uh, plus 17. I already have a little bit of a small bet on them. <laughs> Certainly bold to pick, pick Navy out of anyone. And I, and I know Notre Dame is coming off, yeah, big win, big big monumental win, and now they have to go back on the road and play a tough team in Navy where, you know, if you're not used to the type of style that they play, it's it's going to be a bit of a shell shock. So 
not the worst idea. Maybe I'll look to bet like maybe first half, something like that at the very least, and, and they catch Notre Dame off guard for a half. Uh, the other hangover team, Kansas. Now they're coming off a win against Oklahoma State. Play Texas Tech on a Saturday night. It's an evening game at Texas Tech. Uh, you're looking to fade the Jayhawks on this one. Well, you know why this is a hangover for Kansas? Because they why became bowl eligible they last did. week. They stormed the field. First bowl game, they, baby. They took down the field goal post. They <laughs> brought them out of the stadium, similar to what Tennessee did after they beat Alabama. Hey, but there was no GoFundMe for Kansas, though. They, they paid no, their own way. Well, <laughs> I think there's a couple jokes to be made there. there but they, be, they made them all. That'd be low-hanging fruit. You know, they expected it. And uh, I respect that. I really do. Um, but, yeah, so Texas Tech, I think, is catching. Kansas had a good time. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech has some quarterback injury situations where where their quarterback got hurt against TCU last week, but they do have some quality depth pieces who could fill in. So I'm kind of seeing where this line settles. It was at four, and now it's three and a half. But I'm looking to lay the points with Texas Tech against a Kansas team off that uh, storm the field win to get to that six win of the season. Obviously, Kansas has had very little football success in the last 15 years. So huge win for the program last week, and I think they come out flat in Lubbock on Saturday night. All right, so we have one final sh- uh, hangover team, and that yeah. is the Tennessee Titans, which yep. is really interesting because they're not coming off a win even. No. They're coming off an overtime loss to the Chiefs. They come back. They play at home, uh, and they're playing the Broncos at home. And how many points uh, are they getting in that one? They are getting, it looks like, three points. They're currently laying three, and that's going to be, you know. three, yeah. We're going to see what happens with the quarterback situation, whether it's Tannehill or Willis. Yeah, Malik Willis did not look great towards if, the end of that If game. it's Willis, I wouldn't even – I'd be. I would think the Broncos would be actually favored in this game. Broncos off the bye. The reason I put this in the hangover situation, I usually don't do that with NFL um, teams much, but the Titans' defense was on the field for over ninety plays. Interesting. Most of regulation, pretty much that whole overtime period where the Chiefs have that like six-minute drive, they settle for a field goal, and then Willis couldn't do anything on the final drive to try to match them or even try to win the game. So I think the Titans' defense had that all-out effort against the Chiefs, really worked hard. I was very impressed with how Tennessee played defensively. Mm-hmm. But now coming back after a, a Sunday night game, playing a Sunday afternoon game at home with a Thursday night game on deck, seems wow. like a tricky spot for a Tennessee team that just offensively is not helping the defense at all. Thursday night football, you have any opinions on this? Falcons, Panthers, Falcons oh, yeah. are uh, laying the three, 44. That total's been moving up. Um, if the Panthers – I mean, I'm guessing the Panthers are probably going to go with, with Baker. Is that what they've been saying? No, so it's going to be P.J. Walker. And Yikes. just kind of some context with this game. Look ahead line was Falcons minus one and a half. Yep. It gets out to reopens minus three after the Panthers lose by 21 to the Bengals getting pretty much embarrassed defensively. I think it was uh, I think it was 35 nothing at halftime or it it was a lot wow. worse than even the scoreboard indicates on the final score of some garbage time by Baker Mayfield after he replaced Walker in the second half. Yeah. And then this line was kind of bouncing between two and a half and three. I think with the idea that it could be Mayfield as a starter in this game and they even activated Sam Darnold, so I think the Panthers are going to have all a, the help. It's going to be musical chairs in Charlotte <laughs> when it comes to the quarterback all the position. But once Steve Wilkes said that uh, Walker, PJ Walker, was going to start, this line went from two and a half to three across the board. Yeah. And then this morning on Tuesday, the total went up from, I believe, 43 to 44, some 44s and a half. And 44 is a key number in terms of NFL totals. So a lot of line move in this game. It's also an interesting game because nine ga- n- days ago from when we're recording right now, these two teams played in Atlanta. It was yeah. one of the crazier games of the season. Yeah, Falcons was. win in overtime. Panthers 
probably should have won, although I guess they don't have that uh, P.J. Walker, Hail Mary, the Falcons would have won and covered. But yeah, right. Falcons closed minus four, and the total was 41 in that game. So I think at plus three, the Panthers make a lot of sense just because these two teams played. By the time we play on Thursday, it's going to be 11 days prior, and the Falcons in Atlanta were favored by four. I'm not sure they should be favored by three in Carolina just looking at the line. So for me, it'd be Panthers plus three or nothing in this game. Interesting to see if Atlanta gets some of that late money, maybe because people see that win and they're like, oh, well, the the – Falcons finally they they beat the Panthers already. There are only three points now. Maybe we'll take the field goal. So maybe that line now gets three and a half. And if it does, I think the Panthers would be the right move on this one. Yeah, I hope people think that. And uh, well, the quarterback situation is kind of weird. I feel like because they activated Darnold and and they went to Mayfield, like Walker might be on a short leash in this game. I'm kind of surprised they're going with him again, uh, uh, to be honest. Yes, I was too. I, I, I think the market responded by saying that P.J. Walker is a downgrade of Baker Mayfield, which yeah. I think a lot of people agree with. I mean, Mayfield's pedigree as a Heisman Trophy winner and former number one pick yeah. outweighs P.J. Walker as the uh, XFL MVP. So, yes. Um, obviously, neither are that good. That's why the Panthers are in the situation they are in right now. And uh, but I do have some interest in them at uh, as a home underdog in this game. Let's see if we can get that plus three uh, by the time uh, Thursday happens because I do want to wait a little bit uh, with the injury reports. Always Thursday night, it's always a tough turnaround for these teams uh, to play these kind of games. Yeah, neither of their defenses are particularly that good to be. They're not going to be huge stoppers. So no, the, points are expected. Which I mean, I was definitely eyeing the total before it got to forty four. I still like the over a little bit at 44, but if it keeps going a bit higher, I probably won't. But as yeah. long as it stays around there, I mean, I could I could definitely see one of these teams hitting 30 and then another hitting the mid-20s, something like the, that. The Panthers actually fired two assistant coaches on defense after the loss to the Bengals. So they're really starting the uh, – It's in shambles. The house cleaning is continuing in, in Charlotte after we actually – they gave us a glimmer of hope when they beat the Buccaneers and then – should have beat the Falcons. Right. A lot of people were like, oh, maybe they can still win the NFC South. And well, and now I think that, uh, that dream is dead, especially if they lose on Thursday night to the Falcons. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us. We will be back on Thursday. All of our picks for college football and the NFL. Maybe I'll throw a couple NBA picks in there as well. And we're getting into college basketball season. So the, the picks are endless on this show, and we'll have them all for you on Thursday. 